you for tuning in to the show. I am your host, Eric Antonson, and today I am joined with Chase Kosterlitz, Fisher Grant, and my son, 10-year-old Damian Antonson. And the show today is we have, Chase has been foiling now for about three to four months. I've been foiling for about two months. Uh, Damian, for the same time as I have, and Fisher Grant for this week. We thought it'd be really fun to sit down because we're having all these amazing internal discussions about the foiling process and what we're learning and good things, bad things, danger. Uh, we thought it'd be fun to put it down in a show to just kind of have this round table discussion uh, from four very different places in the learning process uh, on foiling. And I think there's going to be a lot of value to anyone who is the beginning or middle of this process because we span that that those places right now. So I'll give you a little background on, on who each of us are and our background in surfing, and then we'll jump into the conversation. So first up, Chase Kosterlitz. Chase is a, um, I have to say first and foremost, you're a, a race paddle, paddle racer, um, world-class paddle racer, has won uh, the you know paddle around Manhattan race and a ton of other stuff. Uh, he, he's got all the accolades, I don't know. Uh, also an incredible surfer, paddle surfer, and kite surfer. So he comes in with the only kite surfing background in our group. Um, Fisher Grant is a, right now, what, number five, seven in the world on the Stand Up World Tour. Um, he is a longboard champion surfer. As far as just surfing talent goes, I know no one who has more than Fisher. Um, he's been on the Portal Surf team. That's my like uh, surf brand for the last couple of years. And the reason why I was so excited to bring Fisher on the team is just, I've never seen anyone with as much innate surfing talent as Fisher. And we got to watch that uh, this week. It was absolutely amazing watching Fisher's progression from paddling in prone on a foil board for the very first time and his approach to that, which we'll go through all of it um, just a few days ago to now teaching me things about foiling and when I've been doing it for, you know, 10 times the amount of time that Fisher has, there's just a, such an innate understanding of the ocean and, and wave riding that Fisher has that he brings this whole other knowledge base into uh, to what we're doing. Um, Damien Antonson, my son, uh, is 10 years old. He's been surfing now for the last few years. He surfs shortboards and standups, uh, got really into snowboarding this year and then took on foiling around the same time that I did. And he is... Uh, prone foiling. He's done stand-up foil a couple times, mostly prone foiling. He has uh, pulled a lot of the lift out of a 24 uh, Cloud 9 wing because he only weighs about 65 pounds right now. So it's a ton of, ton of lift for him. But he's figured out and, and he's doing a great job in foiling. And so he's going to come with a little bit more of a raw uh, understanding of, of foiling than, than we might have. Um, but it's, it's cool because he's been mapping skills from snowboarding and from surfing and he'll just hit me with these insights from time to time that are you know you know I find them very interesting coming from my place and he's looking at things in a in a different way than than I do um, and I'm Eric Antonson I have been a surfer you know for 20 years and about five years ago I got really into the stand-up paddleboarding scene um, shapeboard so I've got a lot of I don't have I've spent a lot of time focused on the design of surf craft and 
I'm super excited about foiling because it just brings in this whole other dimension of surfing. And I did a show with James Casey recently, and I said that I think that foil surfing is like 4D surfing. Um, it adds this whole other dimension of complexity to the sport. And you take surfing, which is already one of the most dynamic sports in the world, one of the toughest sports to learn or to coach. And now all of a sudden you add in something that, that exponentially increases the complexity of what you're doing. So you're, you're fitting a flying wing into a wave um, and having to, to manage altitude along with everything else that you're doing. And, you know, it's where James Casey, uh, there's talking about, you know, foil brain. I, I say it basically melts your brain. Um, and it's incredibly addictive for someone who's been in the surfing world for a long time. So that's our backgrounds. The show is just going to be about our experiences in foiling. Uh, I hope you like it. Shoot us any questions you have. Um, I'll give you an email address with the show, um, info at bluezonesup.com. It'd be a great place. And we are going to have some foiling camps this summer starting. James Casey's going to be here. Chase is going to be running them. I know Fisher and I will be here for a few. So uh, if you guys are interested in that, if you want to learn in a structured setting where we're taking a lot of the, maybe the danger out of the sport. I mean, there's a lot of danger inherently in this sport, but we're going to do our best to mitigate that through what we've learned and, and putting people in situations that are manageable. Uh, so if you want to learn from some folks who are experienced, come on down. Um, otherwise, Chase, start it off, man. Tell us about your journey through foiling. Yeah, so thanks, Eric. Um, and Eric touched on it, but we just want to stress the safety aspect. If you're listening and never tried foiling, don't go out, buy a foil, and take it to the waves. It's <laughs> the biggest mistake you can make get behind a boat with a professional coach if you can um but if you can't if you want to do it on your own start behind a boat don't go behind the waves well for the first time you watched me do that exact yeah. thing and what happened yeah. <laughs> had you done one boat session maybe no, no and at that point that, nothing yeah at yeah. that point i just took a yeah. board i was like i can do this i surf yeah yeah, <laughs> no. yeah. And, the, and and i heard that from a few people and i i have three friends who are all great surfers. Eric didn't end up with stitches, but three of these other guys went straight to the waves and they're good surfers and they ended up with uh, cuts from, from you know the foil coming up and hitting them. So like anything on the water, there are some inherent dangers. Foiling, we have a sharp mass, we have the wing. So if you're listening to this, you wanna get into it, get behind a boat with a helmet and a vest before going to the waves, all right? Absolutely. So, so that's out of the way. Um, and we'll definitely talk more on uh, specific safety things and be riding and, and doing some videos about it. But I was wanting to get into foiling for a solid three years now, foil surfing, having seen a lot of my friends that are professional stand-up paddle racers doing it downwind uh, foiling. And then it was kind of a time and money thing. I didn't have, you know, I had a lot of other stuff going on. I was still racing and uh, it's kind of cost prohibitive to get into foiling. So finally, stars aligned um, and those hindrances kind of got out of the way. And so in the end of 2018, I brought gear down to Nosara here and that was in October, but I wanted to wait till, you know, I felt the conditions were good and I didn't just jump out into to any old conditions. That's another safety thing. That's a big thing is making sure after you've gone behind a boat, which actually last summer in Hood River, I did 
two boat sessions uh, behind a ski with uh, my friend uh, Drew Christensen, who's a kiteboarding instructor and foil instructor. So I've, I got those initial falls, those initial feelings of, of lift and, and what the foil feels like kind of out of the way behind the boat um, last summer. So then when I went to the waves, I was like, I want to make sure I'm not going, you're not going into steep hollow waves is a huge part of setting yourself up for success um, and doing it safely. And that's the other thing we'll talk about that's awesome about our area is just how incredibly lucky we are to have consistently mushy. We have great waves, yeah. but we have spots that are consistently pretty much every day, mushy, deep and uncrowded. You know, that's like yeah. the tagline for what you want in, in surfing waves. And so once we did go to the waves, we were able to just hammer out deliberate practice by ourselves in a safe environment. So fast forward, I'm able to uh, to be in this situation, in this environment. And uh, in December, I had two weeks off from our sub surfing camp um, where we're coaching sub surfing. And I was like, all right, now's the time. I'm, you know, and I, and I wanted to make sure I could do subsequent sessions. Like it wasn't gonna be one session and then a week later another. And so it was like the first week I went every day in this uh, spot that is, it's consistently waist high and never gets bigger because it's protected. No one out. And I had a, a big wing. It was the Slingshot 84 Infinity, which is like about 1800 square centimeters. And I, you know, I went out and, and I, I went through most of the waves I was catching in the beginning on a stand up surf foil, yep. weren't even breaking. So, you know, it was like that yeah, element. The- 140 you were on, 140 That was 1,800. No, oh, the, the, the board. board. The board was about, uh, it's a 150 liter board. Okay, so yeah. Massive, massive board. board. Yeah, and because I stand up surf, I'm uh, 200 pounds roughly, and I stand up surf on a 90, 92 liter uh, board. So um, this is huge, which which I kind of wanted. Um, and wasn't the, uh, the worst thing in the world. And... To, to, to have that extra volume. So I was able to paddle into waves with a big wing and a big board that weren't even breaking. And, you know, I wasn't just up and flying perfectly right away, but I was getting, you know, those five, 10 second flights, the initial, you know, and that initial feeling is yeah. uh, absolutely insane and amazing. And it still is, but like those first, that first week is awesome. And, and so foreign. Yeah. Like you can be a lifelong surfer and then all of a sudden surfing just feels like you're in a different universe. I still feel like that sometimes when I finish waves. Yeah. I'm like, where was I? Yeah. You know, just, yeah. Wow. It, yeah. And time changes like five seconds feels like five minutes and everything goes quiet. Mm-hmm. And, and so and then I just hammered it out like that week I had a, you know, wearing a helmet, wearing a vest, um, and I didn't really have any bad falls. I mean, I fell plenty, but thing is, is you kind of learn how to fall um, and uh, away from away from your gear is the big thing and, and to anticipate that. Yep. And that's uh, something, you know, we're gonna dive into with videos and, and more tutorials because it doesn't really, it's not great to hear someone talk about it necessarily, but, but definitely seeing it. But I did have one bad fall um, maybe on the fifth day where I, come to the end of the wave and I got sideways. So like I'm going down the line and I'm foiling, everything's in control and I'm just coming off of the wave. And then as the wave energy kind of rolls from one side of the wing to the other, and Eric, you know, nodding his head, yes, because I think he had a similar thing. 
that's where the, I didn't compensate for that. And then all of a sudden the foil flips and it's coming at me. So that's something, um, you know, and, and it kind of like, it didn't really, it kind of hit my, I think my ribs or whatever, but it, that's a situation that can be really bad. Um, <clears throat> but, but yeah. And then, you know, as they say, the rest is history. Now I'm 51 sessions in, been keeping a yeah. kind of a progression journal inspired <laughs> by Eric, you know, who, who kept that when he was, doing the subsurfing stuff and going down in sizes, uh, with the progression project stuff. So, um, yeah. And then, I mean, in that, this is, uh, April 2nd that we're recording. So that's in three months. So it's been pretty intensive, yep. you know, multiple times a week. And then, uh, and yeah, now we're just, you know, to give you an update, like, so where I'm at, I'm doing turns comfortably coming back into the pocket and now yep. I'm working on, like whitewater rebounds is kind of where I'm at. And what's been great with Chase and I learning together, a couple couple things. One, we're both incredibly com competitive, <laughs> which, which is fun. And Chase is ahead of me right now. So that's lit just an absolute fire under my ass for, for progression. But it's beautiful that Chase is ahead of me because he's created a blueprint of what my next steps are. So any trip when I come down, I don't live in Costa Rica anymore. I live back on the, on the East Coast and I'll be down, I, I don't know, I'm probably my 35th session. I'm behind you by a bit, maybe, I don't know. Yeah. And, but, but he's always working on the next thing that I'm gonna be learning and I get to watch him break it down and then I get to do it. And so that's been, that's been really fun, that whole process. But Chase is killing it right now. He's able to either, you know, as he's dropping in, pick high lines or go down, uh, match the wing to the face, do big bottom turns, big wraparounds. Um, you're able to, to pump back out, to maintain a lot of speed in all the different sections. So, um, and I'm 70% of what you're doing right now, something like that. Um, so it's, you know, looks fairly similar at this point, but he's still farther ahead in the learning curve. Uh, Fisher Grant now has been doing this for about five days. You had about five sessions, yep. <laughs> which session one, and he, we didn't even have a stand up for him to use. So he's been going prone with the same wing that Chase was talking about the 1800. It's a, Ride engine Manta, um, huge wing under a slingshot, Four weird ten. kite oh, yeah. board thing. Yeah, not really a surfboard. Not a surfboard, and uh, but it's been incredible to, to watch Fisher's progress as, I mean, being able to map these surfing skills over to foiling, and now five days in, he rode this tiny little thing that I shaped. It's like a three and a half foot board yesterday and was just absolutely killing it. We'll post some video up of Fisher doing it, but popping up real quick in the pocket, like insane pocket rides and rail grab cutbacks and flying. And how's it felt to you, Fish? Um, well, like Chase, I mean, I've always been curious to try it out and uh, just, you know, waiting on an opportunity to, to you know, get one. So, um, yeah, I mean, it felt super foreign in the beginning um, but I mean, without like all your guys' tips and like watching Chase, doing it super smooth, it's really, um, what were the most surprising things to you the first time you paddled into a wave with a foil under you? Um, well, just the amount of lift, like right off the takeoff. I mean, like you have to be on your feet or just, you know, ready to anticipate the foil to take off. Yeah. Um, what about speed? 
speed on, yeah, the amount of speed you get is, <laughs> it's, hard to, it's hard to describe. You can't see Fisher right now, but he's got this huge grin on his face. <laughs> yeah, it's like, it's like the closest thing to riding a bigger wave, I think. You yeah. get the same feeling for sure. Yeah, and you're on a two-foot wave. Yeah. And it feels like you're surfing like a spot where your heart's beating ridiculously fast and you're, you're scared. Like, I get nervous. <laughs> We're going to go surf like a waist-to-chest-high day, and i like, nervous. Andrew, so one of, one of our good friends, Andrew, um, who's not here right now, but he's been along this whole process with us. He's prone foiling. And the other day he said, and I've, he's been one of my best friends since I was five years old. We, we started surfing together back in the day and he's a good surfer. Loves surfing big waves, traveled all over the world, G-Land, Tavarua, not, not shy at big waves at all. And he's surfing prone foiling. And the other day he goes, man, I keep having these strange feelings as I'm paddling into these waves. I'm thinking of like big days we surfed when we were kids and we were like 15 years old. Like there was a session that we had in Boca on this little left point break. And he's like, I'm paddling into this wave the other day and I just could feel us being at this Boca point. And he's like, I think that I just haven't had these feelings in surfing since I was like 15 years old, which is a pretty substantial thought. Like he's like having flashbacks to waves he caught when he was like 15 on these heavier days for us now in waist to chest high surf. And he yeah. surfed all around the world in big waves. Pretty crazy thought. Um, all right, Damo, step up to the plate. Tell us about your foiling journey, how it feels, what you're doing, what you're riding, all that. Okay, so it feels amazing. It feels like you're just hovering over water, going super fast. And yeah, just um, the learning process was pretty difficult. The first day was, I think I got up once and had quite a few bad falls. Yep, I'm making Damien wear a helmet at all times. Um, and at the beginning you wore a vest too, but the vest was getting in your way with it. Yeah, it was getting in my way. Trying to prone paddle into waves was kind of difficult. Yeah. You got yeah. pulled up by a rope, right? Yeah. Um, yeah, at the very beginning, um, I had my dad and my sister pull me up um, by a rope Uh huh. on a dock. Yeah, <laughs> we would run on the dock, pull Demo up so that he could just get up and just feel what it felt like. How did it feel the first time you started to, to fly above the water. Like, what is that? How do you how do you explain that feeling? I don't know. It's really hard to explain. It feels like you're just hovering over water, and you really get a deeper respect for airplanes after doing it for a little while. I do. Yeah, I felt that too. You feel more comfortable in planes? No. No. <laughs> <laughs> I kind of do. I understand. Like the I, there's like a tangible feeling to the physics now when you fly. I feel like. Um, you spent a lot of time this year snowboarding too. How does foiling compare to snowboarding for you? Well, I would feel that foiling and snowboarding are alike because you basically go the same speed while you're foiling and snowboarding. And also the carving sensation uh -huh. feels super similar when you're just riding a unbroken wave um, just in the middle of a bay. Yeah. Just carving. It feels super similar to writing a super deep powder session. Yeah. I agree with that. Uh, all right. So now you kind of know who we all are and our backgrounds into foiling. Let's start talking about 
the best tips that we've found, uh, YouTube friends, anything like that? What are the, what are what are the best things that folks told you that you learned uh, most useful, beneficial? Go ahead, Chase. Yeah. So I mean, I've watched a lot of videos. Just there's not a lot of specific tutorials out there and and that's what we're actually going to be putting together yeah. and blue planet has some good ones yeah yeah yep. blue give planet. those guys some credit yes absolutely uh, yeah guys out in hawaii yeah and and i've definitely watched those and then but just watching you know just the the content that's out there for yep. the world yeah uh, has a lot of stuff on instagram and, and looking specifically at foot placement and where it is in relation to the mass um, and there's a lot of subtleties because it's not just where your foot is, but also where your back knee is. So your back foot yep. and then where that knee is yep. in relation to it. And I say knee because that's kind of an indicator. If you got your knee down and low, your center of gravity, center of gravity is forward of the wing and you're controlling the lift and, and the angle of attack of the wing yep. in that way. Not And definitely where your foot is actually placed is important. Yep. But and, and this is going to lead me into an observation of seeing Damo in, in Fisher. But so that's really important. So look at videos of where people's back foot is. And in, generally you want it within the area of the mast, right? Where it's connecting to the board, but almost not more importantly, but in, in conjunction with that, what the knee is doing, what the back leg is doing in relation to that, how people are getting low and forward um, to control that angle in, in having watched, you know, I've only done one prone session foiling and, and we'll definitely have to do another show just on prone and stand up and kind sure. of the differences. We can do several, but having watched Fisher and Damien learning, uh, in, in, in flying prone is how low they are. And I, I tell our students in stand up surfing, I was like, I want to tell you you're too low because there really isn't a too low, like in certain situations. Like if I got someone that is standing way too high, I'm like, I'd rather you be, I'd rather tell you you're too low than, than anything else because being too high is just high center of gravity doesn't help anything in, in foiling being too high, like forget about it. And so having watched Damo and, and Fisher, they're basically, have their their back knee almost touching like they're going in, in grabbing the rail like they're going for a, a backside barrel yep. right and if you guys can envision like craig anderson surfing it's a similar it's a similar like stance to what craig anderson does surfing but it's in foiling it's absolutely necessary just in shifting your weight forward without having to move your back foot right. so it's a very functional stance something else i want to say about you're talking about bending and being too high or too low Foiling is like James Casey said, we know you have to be directly over your mass. So what a lot of people do in surfing when they think about being low is they'll bend at the, at the hips and they'll lean forward and that puts weight on the toes. You'd be, I mean, it would be immediate how fast you would fall if you bent at the waist foiling. So in a way, it's a great training tool for how you should uh, height change, level change um, for surfing because you have to do it at the knees. If you do it at the waist, it's going to throw off your center of gravity. You're going to lean forward, be over. Also, as far as footwork goes, if your feet aren't right on your center line, you're going to be in a lot of trouble. At least that's how I feel. Is your feet kind of always center line board? I've noticed back foot for yep. sure. One yep. on the center line and, and like you said, over that mass in that area to control angle of attack. My front foot, I've noticed just from the videos, is off. 
Just and then I looked at, I started looking at other guys that are more experienced that have been posting, you know, foiling for years. And, and we teach in, in stand-up surfing, you know, and you want that in surfing in general, you want that front foot on the stringer line, right? But I've noticed that the front feet aren't always perfectly on the stringer. Now that could just be bad mechanics. That could be, you know, that it's, it's more important because when you think about it, the, the board is not, that front rail is not grabbing it, it, when you're turning necessarily. As when you're in the water surfing, you definitely want it on a stringer because that's gonna really bring the board off. Yeah. Foiling, in, in it, it's probably more ideal for that front foot to be on a stringer, 100%. Um, but I'm noticing mine is not. <laughs> and right. I'm not no, I've and, watched that on you. Right, and I'm, I wanna get it there, but I'm also, in, in relation to surfing, I don't think it's as critical. Well, so here's something that I've noticed in pumping, and that is, so my foot, I, I, have, a, I have a front arch bar on my flight deck, and that lines my, my front foot directly center. I just As I'm paddling in, um, and this is stand-up foiling, as I'm paddling in, I just kind of find that with my arch of my foot. It's right exactly where I want to stand, and it, you know, really easy, and I, I suggest having something tactile on your board so you know where you are. You know, Andrew has been foiling without anything on his board. And Fisher, you were saying this yesterday, like you wish you had pads on your board. Just lets you know where you are without having to look down. And you don't have a lot of time to get set up correctly, especially if you're prone. Stand up, you have a little bit more as you're paddling in. But if you're off, it's a big deal. But I think that moving that foot a little bit more towards your heel side rail actually might give you an advantage when you're pumping because it lets you go off your toes. Because I have to pump real flat-footed because if I go off my toes, I front weight that rail and then my board will start turning to the right a little bit. And if I don't follow it, then I'll, then I, it's a, I'll, I'll fall. But if I, I think if I move that foot out just a little bit, now all of a sudden when I'm pumping, I get to use my toes a little bit more and I think it'll be a more powerful pump. I was thinking about that yesterday when we were out there. Yeah. I think the jury's still out, right? Like it makes sense that mirroring surfing, you know, if you're on the stringer, but somehow I'm noticing I'm not, and I'm not saying I got it perfect, but that other good foilers are more off than than I've seen like another good surfer necessarily. Here's another way to think about it. So when I'm coaching backside surfing, people cheat that way, Yeah. right? So they'll cheat to, to that backside rail. And where that hurts them then, is when they come around, so they do a bottom turn up to do a top turn. Now, as they come around, they don't have any weight on their toe side rail to get that rail uh, for under the front foot in the water. So they end up doing this weird turn that's off the back foot, and it kind of it, it's a weak turn. Uh, it, I don't know, it's just not a good turn. It's not like a rail turn in the pocket. But on a foil, you don't have to do that. Like right. So 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 maybe it makes more sense. Or just like your mechanics too. I think like just everyone's body's different. So how how you stand like a more natural stance, maybe my yeah. hips, I just feel more, for sure I feel more comfortable that way because I'm doing it. But when I break down videos, most people are yeah. off to the right. left a little bit. Yeah, for sure. Yep. So You watch that like Kyleni six minutes, 11 waves video. Yeah. The whole time. He's yeah. Ever, I was watching that yesterday. Yeah. Yeah. So it's interesting, you know, maybe we'll find out more. And But going back to the being low, like Fisher and, and, and Damo, like they're as low as you can go. And I think from a, from, so from a center of gravity thing, obviously, from a control standpoint, um, 
And then from a safety standpoint, almost that you're more connected to the board, the higher you are, like you have further to fall, like <laughs> coming on to the rail. And I mean, Fisher, maybe you can chime in here, but like, it seems like because you're so low and you're almost, you're grabbing the rail, you have more control of the board. And when you do eat it, like the board is like connected to you. So it's not like flying up. Exactly. Yeah. Well, so I had one instance where I was paddling into a wave on my stomach and um, this was like the first day I started and the foil immediately lifted. And so it sent me like completely airborne. So I didn't, I didn't want to fall on the foil. So I, best thing I thought to do was just to hold on to the board. And I did like a full side roll just to keep, you know, I didn't want to like, I think we have it on film. Yeah. <laughs> it was crazy, but that I felt like that was the best thing to do is to stay connected to the board. Cause you could, the worst thing that could happen, you could fly off the board and then yeah, that foil is just going to hit you. So yeah. Yeah. The, um, the low center of gravity is definitely a key, key aspect for sure. We'll post video in the show notes. We'll yeah. link to it of Fisher and, kind of what we're talking about. Yeah, you know, I, I think we'll do a, and I'm kind of saying this now we'll have to do it, but it would be a lot of work, but I think it would be cool to do like a timeline of Fisher's progress this week. Yeah, now, yeah. Fisher's results are not gonna be indicative of everyone's results. <laughs> we should say that right now, because uh, yeah, Fisher's accomplished months of normal person uh, foiling. But Damon, you also, grab the rail, stay super low. How, that was intuitive to you because you were learning by yourself. I was stand up foiling and that's just, how did you find that as a, as kind of a safe way to, to learn? Well, I just did it by instinct at first because um, while you're popping up, it usually, um, before, like Fisher said, before it pops up. So you're trying to keep that down. And while you're popping up um, and you're placing your feet there, you kind of need to have your hands um, on the rail to keep the foil down while you're positioning yourself. So I feel like if you're pushing down on the foil, there's less chance of it um, flipping over and hitting you in the head. Yeah, when, <laughs> knock on wood hasn't happened yet. Mom would be super mad. <laughs> um, Fisher, what are the best tips that you got this week from, 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 from us? What was the most beneficial? Um, well, when we were first starting out, um, as far as catching the wave, you guys had told me, <clears throat> you know, to keep your hands on towards the nose of the board to keep that foil down. And when you feel like you're in the wave and you want to do sort of an ollie maneuver, like you would on a skateboard to get that foil on the lift, like straight away. And I felt like that helped me a lot. Um, what else? Damo. I didn't say much to you. <laughs> it looked like you were, you you had it kind of, not figured out, but I didn't want to like mess with your. No, I was I was watching a ton of your waves, and I was kind of that's how I was learning from you. And then, Damo had given me a couple of tips, I'm trying to remember them now. Um, the pop up one. Yeah, the pop up one. Yeah, pushing that board down. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's been cool to watch Fisher, uh, you know, so one of the things that happens when you're foiling is 
you have to balance the lift, right? So the two things are going to happen if you balance the lift incorrectly. One of them, you're just not going to fly or you're going you're gonna to stay real low where there's a lot of resistance in the water. The other is that you give yourself too much lift, a little bit too much back foot, and then you can come up and, and breach. And so most of the time when folks breach, that's the end of the ride. Now, Chase, you've gotten pretty good at being able to breach, land pretty hard, and then pop back up. A lot of, you know, it's pretty cool how you do that. Chase, he's gotten really good at taking off and then getting real high on the mast right away, which gives you more speed because there's less resistance. But if you go too high, then as soon as a wingtip is out, you lose vast majority of your lift and you're gonna fall out of the, fall out of the air. Um, and, then, and then, you know, usually you fall. Um, but Fisher, you've been pretty good at being able to stay low through that process. And we have some videos of you like breaching like three times <laughs> on a wave. It's almost like you're trying to do it. What are you thinking about when that happens? Um, just as, Keep contact with the board because um, you don't know like where it's gonna head so like a low center of gravity to like like the breaches weren't intentional but I was like thinking just like try to keep it nose down and um, yeah I mean just the low center of gravity because yeah I mean, <laughs> yeah so one of the waves that we surf here, we have a section that we've named the slingshot. And what it is, is uh, it's this, this weird little reef that's not really a wave, but at low tide, you get a bull, a right runner, and then the refraction of the swell angles back, not quite 90 on you, but it's, it comes back on you a good bit and the wave doubles up like a, a Volano wedge. wedge or, yeah. yeah. And so if you do it right, you know, you're, you're going pretty fast as this, we call it the slingshot section comes at you. But then if you hit it right, it's massive explosion speed. And then you bank off of a big wrap around and then it runs left and, and then you get another, I don't know, hundred meters out of the wave or something like that, going back the other way. Um, it's kind of like this weird thing to, to, to feel for the first time because that acceleration is not, I've not felt anything like that in surfing, I don't think to where you're going really fast and then all of a sudden you hit the section and your speed doesn't double, but it, it goes, uh, how'd that feel? I've watched you hit some really good ones, Fisher. Yeah, that was pretty, pretty stressful the first couple of times. <laughs> Cause like I, I knew like my speed was gonna double once I hit that. So like, like I wanted to get myself set on flight before I got to that section to have a, as much control as I could into yeah. that section. And then as you start making that drop, like lift is a, speed is a squared function in lift. So as your speed increases, your lift is increasing exponentially. Yeah. So it's like you're hitting the section and you're dropping this wave and at the whole time, you have to be throwing more and more and more and more weight on your front foot to keep it in, what was a really strange thing, like as far as surfing goes, it's like so foreign right. in surfing. Yeah, it's, it's the opposite. Like you wanna like, with more speed, you want to have more weight on your tail on the surfboard, but you have to keep in mind that you want to keep that foil down. So through that turn, you're just like full weight on the front foot, just enough to where you don't pearl the nose, but just yep. enough to keep it out of the water. So good balance. And what that reminds me of is dropping into the blood bowl that is in Jacksonville. Yep. Um, it's a skate bowl. Yeah, it's about an eight foot. Is it Bert? It's close to Bert. Close to Bert. 
Why does it feel like that? Um, because just keeping all of your weight that you can possibly put on your front foot is really helpful too. Because you don't want to manual down um, because then you're just going to fall on your back and get hurt a lot more. Yeah. Better to um, go flying off the front end. Yeah, and that's actually a good rule of thumb for foiling, right? It's a lot better to have extra weight on your front foot and fall forward. Yeah. And it's almost weird because you think you wouldn't want to fall in front of your board, but knock on wood, I haven't been hit going over the front yet. Have Have you? Anyone? No. Yeah, yeah I mean, and you keep that foil down when you fall forward. Yeah. Rather than when you fall back, the foil is going to fly. Yeah, I feel like backwards could also go sideways right like right whereas front is just nose down you're killing the speed of the foil it's not gonna it's to me it's that sideways flip that's yep. where the injuries are happening and that can come from you know over foiling coming off the back or that sideways yep. stuff i was kind of talking about and that's a good point and kind of circles back to just being in the right conditions i think that yeah. that's just we kind of take it for granted because we have such a great setup with such a great foil wave that's good all the time but i'm just picturing like if i was in san diego where i lived for a while or on the gulf coast like san diego gets more surf than the gulf by a lot but if i was on the gulf like as soon as there's anything i'm going to go out and 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 wherever you're at where, where you're trying to learn you might feel that way yeah. but you really it's all about like putting those parameters those restrictions in place that you're in a mushy easy takeoff because the, the steeper the wave, like the yep. more potential for the breaching and disaster. And chop side waves. I mean, explain what that feels like when you hit a side wave. Yeah. Foiling. Like, yeah. That's a weird thing. Yeah. And well, that's the thing with learning to foil is it, like learning anything. It's, it's almost like learning how to fall, depending on what you're learning. But like skateboarding, mountain biking, it's you're going to fall. Right. It's not about preventing the fall. Right. right? Because you, you want to set the parameters that like, you know, the mechanics, but it's then learning how to fall, but also setting yourself up in a position to be successful, not bombing the biggest hill when you're learning snowboarding, mountain biking, but going on the bunny slopes. Right. <laughs> going on that mushy wave and then falling in those conditions is going to be a heck of a lot better. And then being able to anticipate, OK, when the wave is hitting you sideways, this is what can happen, you know, and, and then compensating for that. But uh, like taking off on a steep wave, even now that I'm a lot, you know, 50 plus sessions in, I know what to do. It's still, it just doesn't, the foil doesn't fit, you know, right. the foil, the, the physics of it are in such a way that if you're taking off on a steep wave, you either got to high line it, or if you are going to go for a bottom turn, you really got, it's very technical in, in how you got to match that wave face. So right. especially early on, you want to just avoid that situation altogether. And even now it's, uh, it's something that you're having to judge. It's pretty interesting um, taking that line. And that's something maybe we can talk about, but, but at a certain point, like it's just not built for steep and hollow waves. Right, well, I think that's why the guys are enjoying toe foiling on three foot middle boards. Cause now you can fit into all those little pockets. Right. That you can't on a stand up board. Right? Yeah. Like I watched Fisher and Damo on prone and actually, so I did 
I started off, my first few sessions on a foil were prone. And then I realized it was going to be a lot easier with my background in stand-up to learn stand-up. But I should say that I think if you can stand up paddle and you're going to learn to foil, you should do it on a stand-up paddleboard. Yeah. It's a lot easier because you don't have to worry about transitioning from prone to standing in a critical section of the wave. It's just a lot easier. Um, so you can paddle in standing up. You can decide when you want your lift. You know, just keep your weight forward until you want to lift. So that's... Uh, that, that that that's a that's a lot easier. Um, and we were talking about there. I just lost my train of thought. We were talking. You were going um, steep sections and towing. Oh, yeah, yeah, steep sections and towing. So um, I prone foiled uh, yesterday again for the first time in a while. And at the beginning, it was super humbling. I was on this board that was way too small. But then Fish and I changed up boards, and so I was on a really big wing on about a thirty-seven liter. Um, it's like a kite board, but you can still paddle in a lot of nose rocker. And, and once I started getting it, there's like, there's something to being on a much smaller board. It's, it's a really cool feeling. Like you just get more of the foil feeling. There's like less visual obstruction between you and the water. So you feel like you're flying a little bit more as you're hitting a slingshot for us, like you could fit in it so much better. It was just, you didn't have the nose. And then Chase and I were talking about like our sticking points in in, in foiling and where we're hitting in turns. And it's generally the front right or left of your nose. It's that end foot. And so I see where, you know, Kalama's shaping some beautiful boards right now. Um, they're, they're just going smaller and square. And I thought at the beginning of all this, you know, you're gonna want to have a pretty narrow board. Like you watch some of Kiahi's videos. Um, there again, it's like in design, sometimes you have to think about or in who you're, who you're following in the learning process. You know, a guy like Kiahi, who is one of my heroes in the surf world, I mean, he's one of the best surfers out there, not necessarily the best guy to model because he's such, kind of like Fisher too. Like you, you, you generally be better modeling someone um, who's spent more time learning how to do it than someone who's innately great at doing it because you, modeling Fisher is gonna lead you probably nowhere, modeling someone who's worked really hard to get to where they are and overachieved, they're going to have steps, processes that they've created. But watching Kiahi on like some of the longer, like I think it was like a seven, six, I actually rode that board. It was the first time I ever foiled a couple of years ago. Um, he's able to maintain those turns on a longer board, but that probably has a lot to do with his level of talent and not as much to do with the board, I would say. Yeah. Um, but for us, we're catching on, on the nose there and on the prone board that wasn't there. So it really frees you up to draw different lines and it makes sections less critical because you're not going to catch you know? but that wave count the stand up oh absolutely <laughs> yeah absolutely we'll, we'll have to dive into like the differences and i'm sure we're going to have it'll be interesting to hear from you guys like what percentage um are getting in from stand up yep. whether from surfing yep. and yeah whatever you're comfortable with like andrew our buddy that eric mentioned he, he was like finally like I'm just gonna try on the stand up because he his wave count not that we're going out to get as many waves as we can but for learning yep. the more you practice the better and we would go out for a session and on the stand up foil I'd be catching probably ten to one maybe of yep. his at yep. least yep. and and so that's just reps of practicing flying practicing different situations um, so there's a lot of value there but. He doesn't have a paddling background. So he came out on a stand-up foil one day 
and probably caught fewer waves because he his paddling was one you know, and then as another like element of risk just because you're not used to paddling 100 you're high your center of gravity is already high as, yep. you're, as you're catching the wave so um Daniel, how come you have chosen so damien's a, a pretty good stand-up paddle surfer um and you know surfer how come you've chosen to stay prone foiling rather than stand-up now you do ride a big board you should say that too but I think I chose, I think I chose print boiling because you, like we were mentioning earlier, you um, have that ability to grab both rails at the beginning and when you're getting like, when the, when you're uncomfortable in a part of the wave, you can't really get hurt if you crouch down super low and grab both sides of the rail. You do that a lot. I do that a lot. You do that when you hit the slingshot a lot. Yeah. What does that feel like, hitting the slingshot? It, yeah, like my dad was talking, it feels like you triple your speed. And it's, I feel like it's, um, it's going from the transition of paddling into a wave to um, going, um, to popping up and um, just taking a super late drop. That's what it feels like, like you're taking a late drop? Yeah, it feels like you're taking a super late drop because you just triple your speed. What are the best tips that you've gotten from YouTube or whatever um, for foiling? Probably the main tips are, well, is just stay low and um, have tons of weight on your front foot. Yeah. And that's just like the, yeah. yeah. Um. You guys want to talk equipment for a little bit? Wings, difference in feel of wings. Sure. Yeah. What, uh, Chase, you've had probably the most experience on wings. Um, talk us through your transition. And now you ride for F1, um, and Chase is riding the 1400 uh, F1 with some special mods. Yeah. Well, or are they? No, no. No. But yeah, we could talk about that. I guess you would, we've been going through this process together yeah. for the most part, but how many sessions I've wasted, I could actually tell you out of 50, probably 10 were basically a wash because I mounted something a little bit off and not a lot. I mean, I learned, but that's where getting that professional like coaching or help or guidance early on, like asking that local instructor uh, can help a lot because if you're off like, let's say just mounting your, uh, where the mask goes by a couple centimeters, yeah. it completely changes the feel. You can, you can notice the feel on a quarter inch. Yeah. Like for sure. Yeah. hundred percent. Or like too big of a wing definitely makes things a lot harder for you. Uh, in certain, if you're in bigger waves and so things like that have been really interesting and frustrating to, it's about a 10 minute paddle out to this wave we go to. For you. And yeah. <laughs> <laughs> about 15 to 20 for me. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, you know, at least five times I've gone out and then caught a couple waves and been like, ah, you know, like I mounted it wrong or I, I'm on too big of a wing. And, and so that's been really interesting. And that's where I would say, um, you know, look at the information that's out there. We'll definitely be posting some stuff, but, uh, to, and you're still gonna go through that of, of learning because I weigh 200 pounds, you may 
you know, our listening way half that. And so it's going to be a completely different thing for you to figure out or then prone and stand up. But then from the wing perspective, wing size makes an incredible difference, you know, in feel and, and um, holding down a, a bigger wing is, is definitely like you can do it um, in, in bigger ways, but like Fisher's been on the big wing because that's just the only wing that was available. But um, there's probably some benefits to that, but there's a lot of things that, that make that harder. Yep. Um, and then without getting too technical on a podcast, cause again, I think video and, and seeing these things is valuable, but, uh, modified, uh, the modification I made was the trailer on the current F1 is, uh, has really raised wingtips that, so the wingtips come up. And if you imagine like the, the edges of, um, some of the newer planes, it's a fuel saver where the, the wingtips flip up. Um, it was causing a lot of hold. So through the turns, it would hold, which can be good in certain situations. But then when you go to redirect, it does not want to go. So um, talk to the F1 guys. They actually have a, a new stabilizer coming out. Uh, it's probably out by the time this podcast goes live. But basically, I just took two centimeters off the wingtips, which is barely anything. And it completely loosened up the feel. So where I would go into a turn a lot easier and then come out of it. So, you know roundhouse cut back, come back to the white water. And then when you go for the redirect, completely different feel, way easier. So it's just really cool to see how such small changes in the wing, in a wing tip on the trailer can make a, such a big difference in the feel. And then obviously size. Size, yeah. yeah. And that's something that we've had to deal with with Damien. So it's like Damien learned to kite a little bit and now he's learning you know, to foil it in both of those sports not really gear for someone who's 65 pounds. Yeah, no, no. So the guys at cloud nine, and I was super stoked on them. Um, and I'm on some cloud nine stuff right now too. Um, they gave us a modification for Damo's wing where they put some washers to change angle of attack of the front wing. So it changes the, the rear you, wing. You, you change the rear wing, but then that forces down angle of attack on the front wing. Uh-huh. And so it's taken out a whole lot of lift for you. And that seems to do very well. If, if the, the, the stock setup for Damien, I mean, he's just launching out of the water. There's nothing you can do. Um, you're about ready to shed another washer though right now, aren't you? Yeah, I am. And the reason that I, I want to shed a washer right now is um, so I can take off a little later without getting um, bucked off. And also so I can ride waves a little bit further yeah into the bay to have a little bit more lift yeah Yeah. why is it going to help you not get bucked off though taking off a washer i don't get that um because it's less lift so with um if you go in the same um scenario Uh with less lift you um won't get you will still get that shock but it won't go as high as if um you were without with Gotcha. So I've tried now four wings. I've ridden, I started off with the ride engine, Manton Neil hooked it up. Super appreciative. Thanks, Neil. Um, And then I went to a um, cloud just looking for small wings for Damo. So I tried the 20 S24 and then I got on the X cloud stuff, which is an X28 and an X32. And the Manta wing, that ride engine wing, I like, it's kind of just a heavier wing but it's really grounded. I feel like that wing is um, 
I mean, you ride that too, the slingshot yep. branding. But um, that wing for me allowed me to just kind of learn how to fly, right? I was using the smaller mass, the 24, which gives you less room for air. But I feel like in some ways it's better because then you have to adjust your sensitivity. So I went to a larger mass. I just felt like the strike zone. I went from a, a bigger wing, smaller mass, which is more lift. So more sensitive um, wing with a smaller mass to a less sensitive wing with a bigger mass. The strike zone just got huge. It was like felt really easy to fly when I did that, which was great. So maybe maybe that held me back a little bit at the beginning on the smaller mass. I know pumping is super hard mm -hmm. um, with a smaller mass, but um, I liked that. And then I went to the 24. I tried, tried the 24 and it was just, it was not enough lift for me. And I don't like flying. I would rather be overpowered than underpowered. Maybe kiting is similar like that. Like you just can't. Yeah, some guys, you know, it's a, it's a preference yeah. thing too. Is it? Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, I like having a heavy front foot because I feel like I get more control over it that way than rather than fighting to keep the board flying the whole time. Mm -hmm. um, and then I like the, the 28 and 32 are by far my two favorite that I've tried so far. And it's because they're lighter than anything I've tried. Um, and I like just that feeling of being lighter. And I like the fact that on the on those the cloud stuff, you can adjust the rear wing forward and back to change the feel. Um, which I'm still dialing that in, but I like that. Um, and I go back and forth between like in the 28 and the 32. They, uh, they're both, they're both great. I feel like, um, I'm sure that I'll, I mean, I, I, I'll be trying something new in a month, right? I like yeah. It. Well, the mass size, mass length, I think is a huge difference, at least for me. What do you want? I, now I'm riding 75 centimeters, okay. um, which is 29 and a half inches. So, but when I started, I was on a 65, 61 centimeter it's 24. slingshot, 24 inches. And whenever it was choppy, and I also like to ride pretty high, yep. I feel like, but when it was choppy, you just breach a lot easier and you don't have a lot of play. Um, and, and then I went up to a 71 centimeter, so just 10 centimeters more. And just that made such a difference. Um, in all conditions, but especially when it gets choppy. So it seems like 75 centimeters, yeah. 29 and a half is pretty common go-to length for a lot of the good guys and, and girls, not too many girls foiling, but I've seen a few uh, out there, yeah. um, kind of a standard. But it, it, there is a personal feel, but I think that's what's cool about the sport. It's newer and, and standards are, are getting established. So definitely if you're struggling in the chop, Think about what length mass you're on. Yeah. And if you're on 24 inches, I can almost guarantee if you go up, you're gonna have a lot more success uh, in, in most conditions, but especially in the chop. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, so yesterday when I was prone foiling, I was on the 24 with the bigger wing again. And on the prone board, wasn't nearly as big of a deal having a shorter mass than it was with the stand-up. It's just the width isn't there, the nose, you've got, Basically, you've just got such a smaller board to catch that it, it was kind of okay. So maybe depending on what board you're riding, mass size can, yeah. can differentiate too there. Yeah, the thicker your board, the yeah. higher you are away from the, the mass. I mean, think about it, that, that, um, that prone foil you were using, the prone foil board yep. is maybe two inches thick. And yeah. not even, but the stand up is what, four and a half? Yeah. That puts you another two and a half inches 
higher. And, yeah. Yeah. Um, I guess we'll talk about now. I think, I mean, without, you know, we could go into technical discussions. We could go into our stoke for foiling. I think for this episode, we kind of covered it and, and really, I mean, just as far as from our perspectives. And, yeah. Um, you got anything you want to add, Fisher? Like how, how does this, so you've just had one week of foiling without anything going in. Never, Fisher, up until this week was never on a foil board before. How does it fit into your world of surfing? Someone who I should say before you answer that, um, are incredibly talented at uh, shortboard surfing, longboard surfing, and uh, stand-up surfing. So you're an incredibly open-minded surfer already, um, more so than most folks I know. But how do you think foiling will fit into your world? Well, coming from Florida, you know, there's a lot of days where it's not really surfable. So I'm super excited to, you know, be able to be in the water, like just that much more. So um, it's going to open up a lot of opportunities and possibilities, like different waves to surf. Um, so I'm really excited about that. <clears throat> and just more water time, because there's so many days where it's either on shore or just too small to ride a regular surfboard where the foil is just going to excel. So I'm super excited about that. Yeah. And that's why I wanted to learn, you know, we lived in Costa Rica for 11 and a half years and then had to move back and found ourselves up in the Northeast. It's a big change, but there's a lot of beautiful points up there. And so I think the foil is going to really open that up. So, um, you know, next week we start, can't wait be fun to report back on whether or not that hypothesis holds. I don't know yet. I haven't, I haven't foiled once up there yet, just a bunch of sessions down here. So, so hopefully that uh, holds true. Any closing thoughts there, Damo? Um, not really, just, I just wanted to say that this is like the hardest sport that you can learn and the funnest sport that you can learn. Most fun. Most fun. <laughs> yeah, I agree with that. Yeah. Send us off, Chase. Yeah, I mean, it's. I taught kiting for five years, and kiting's hard, foiling's hard, but I, if you want to learn, you know, it's nothing that you can't do. Right. And I'm, I'm, Fisher is, it's all about a good teacher, man. Which you yeah. just touched on there with kiting. Yeah. So I tried to learn to kite basically by myself for yeah. a while. And, you know, I can fly kite pretty good, whatever. Damo and I just got stuck in like South Florida for a week, like three weeks ago. And I was like, let's, one day was going to be really windy. So I hit up uh, South Florida kiteboarding. Shout out to uh, Nick there. Thank you. Um, who's a tremendous teacher. And like in one day, I learned more than I had learned in like a month and a half of trying to get stuff by myself. And Damo and I were both flying within two hours, right? Yeah. yeah, like we had we had great we had great runs. And it was just these little things that they were pointing out that were probably so obvious to anyone else when you're trying to figure out by yourself you didn't get. I think full foiling is gonna be like that too. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. that's, exactly. Yeah. And, and so like, that's what I would say is like, save yourself the headache of getting worked, getting potentially hurt and get professional instruction. A lot of the kite schools are doing it, yep. we'll be doing it. 
Um, there'll be stuff online, but really having someone there looking at you. Yeah. And, and we'll probably be like level two, level three. Yeah. Right. Like we're probably not going to be pulling people behind boats for the first time. You should try to get that out of the way back home somewhere. Yep. Find someone who's got a boat and knows what they're doing. Yep. Learn to fly, maybe even learn to catch a wave. And then once you're at that point, that's when you want to, that's when you get to take advantage of what we have. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And do it, do it safely. And and then Fisher touched on this and be cool to talk about it in another show, but just how awesome it is that foiling turns like the worst conditions into the best conditions and and can just completely change your perspective. And even seeing like these guys posting, they're like uh, wake stealers, wake thieves. So they're just hanging out in intercoastal waterways, like, dock starting and jumping on boat wakes and having a blast. And I think Eric and I talked about this the other day, but that's what drew me to stand up surfing in the beginning too, is like, yep. I was wave starved on the Gulf. I could go and surf these inlets that weren't really even waves, but get that, that surfing feeling and foiling kind of elevates that almost to the next level that now, yeah, you're getting all this extra speed and performance out of, really terrible ways for traditional surfing, but for foiling. And so it's cool to see that and see the stoke of the foilers out there and and people uh, like Fisher and and myself and and everyone, but like he's going to go back to Florida. And now you just have this completely new perspective and and stoke on on getting in the water. Yeah. I have looked, so we lived in Jacksonville last year for a while and I couldn't wait to kind of get out just the surf, you know, was not that stoked on that. I have been looking at the forecast at Jacksonville, like when's the next one? Like, I'll go visit buddies and just go down there and foil. Like I've never thought about going to Florida for a surf trip ever when I'm thinking yeah. about that now. You know, yesterday on the way in, I uh, we had just had a great session out back. And then there's this like little mushy, crumbly, like nothing of a wave on the way in. And I was like, I'll just see if I can pick one off. And it was not if knee high at best and took off. And I just caught just the right bump on it and I had like 150 meter ride all the way in, like five or six turns. I mean, it was insane. It was like a Fisher saw it from the car. Like, wave was rad. And I was stoked on it. I mean, and the day before we had surfed really good, like offshore beach break, we were pretty crowded. And that wave, that little crumbly nothing was way more fun than anything I caught the day before. So it's just, uh, it is an absolute reality changer. Yep. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. All right, guys. Uh, thanks for tuning in. If you got this far, I uh, hope you liked it. Hit us with any questions you have that you want us to hit on another show or in a video. You can do that. Uh, info at bluezonesup.com. Uh, and that's going to go to Chase. And uh, thank you. Appreciate you. Do you want to tease the uh, drone footage? Oh, you can tease it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm so scared to let that if out. If you're even still good. listening, I just feel like we want to say it. We, oh we got God. some drone footage of our spot and drones make everything look cooler. But we had like a fighter pilot drone pilot who, who got some awesome yeah. stuff. So if, if it's not up, if it's up, we'll link to it in this show. If not, we're going to release it at some point. I don't sure. even know if we should. Yeah. <laughs> We're going to have to fight about that. It kind of shows our, our <laughs> setup here in, yeah, in, in Costa Rica and Nosara. It's, we're really lucky to have, have this spot, but then there's just dozens of others that we're exploring for foiling that uh, 
it's pretty sick. So, oh man, as soon as we hit the rainy season and that's going to open up. So with the South energy, yeah. there's all those bays. Oh, oh man, it's going to be, yeah, it's going to be unreal. All these little spots that I used to try to surf on the standups and they were kind of good yeah. on a standup are going to now be world-class. Yeah. yeah, it's, yeah. I mean, there's like five. Yeah. Anyways, it's going to be cool. So thanks for tuning in. We appreciate it. Um, hit us with anything later. Cool.